You are listening to a message from Shorebreak Church's Gatherings by Travis Scott. You can get connected with more content at shorebreakchurch.com. You guys ready to talk about Jesus tonight? All right. <laughs> there was some love there for Jesus. That's awesome. If you didn't yell, no, I'm just kidding. No hard feelings. If you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5 is where we are going to be. We are studying through the gospel of John. And we're calling our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through John. Light has come. And that's because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus is like, I'm the light of the world. And those of you who are in darkness and who need to be exposed to my light, who need life because the light is the life of men, Jesus is that exposure, is that love to us. And so when we just say light has come, we can also say light is here. Jesus is here tonight. He was alive 2,000 years ago. He is alive tonight and he will be forever and he always will be alive and living and working. So if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, tonight we've called our message, Jesus is. Jesus is. And if you're writing that down, write this. Jesus is, like fill in the blank, all right? Jesus is, and then like an underline, like fill in the blank. Now there is a risk in becoming comfortable with something, right? To become too comfortable with anything can be dangerous. I was uh, working at Starbucks a while back, and I remember I uh, was, you know, barista and, and steaming milk, and I became so comfortable with the steam wine. One time I was like, I'm just going to grab it. It's not like it's going to really be that hot. And so sure enough, I like grabbed it and flicked it on, like see how long it would take. I know this is completely stupid, but I became so comfortable with it. I just charred my hand. Because there is a risk in becoming comfortable with something. When you, this, when you see the same thing every day, when you hear the same thing every day, you almost become bored with it. it it's not special anymore because it becomes normal that you see it so much. We have a screen door in our house uh, that goes out to our lanai that is like any normal screen door. You can grab it, slide it open, and, and close it, and, and, and it works pretty good. But the thing about the screen door in our house is within a couple of days when we moved into our place, one of our boys accidentally pushed through the screen, and so the screen started to break, and the seams got loose around the metal frame of the door, and so it was kind of like leaning, like, no, why did you do that? And then so we we actually took like a butter knife and tucked it back in and tried to make it all look nice. And well, then they realized like this could be a game they could play. So they're pushing on the screen door down. And we're like, boys, you can't do that. Come on. And, and, uh, and so the, the screen just continuously got more and more ripped. And as it was being pulled out of the seam. So you, you have the screen that was almost like waving. And so it came to a point where like, you know, we're just going to duct tape it. <laughs> we'll just duct tape it. So we grabbed some duct tape because duct tape, when in doubt, just grab duct tape, right? So we grab duct tape, and we're like, you know, taping it up, and it looks super ghetto. At this point, I'll admit, we're ghetto. It looks horrible, and we're just like taping it all up and going around and trying to, and it worked for a little while. Well, sure enough, our, 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 my three little dudes just found a way to break through it again. 
So if you come over to my house to this day, we have a screen door that we never have to open or close. It is just like the human doggy door, so to speak. You can walk in and out of it. The kids are going in and out all the time. Now they become used to that. It's become normal. This thing that was abnormal has now become normal and they become used to it. Well, we're actually hanging out with some friends like a week ago. We go over to their house and on their lanai, they have a screen door that slides, except this screen door works. And so it was great because you see where this is going. One of my boys is like, all right, I'm going to go inside. So he takes our phone, is like trying to run inside and just bounces off the screen door. And he's like, what just happened? He's like on his butt sitting there like, what? I don't get this. And it's like, and I pull him over like, hey, Sebastian, yeah, just so you know, our screen door is not normal. This is actually reality. This is normal. And it's easy to be comfortable with something that is incredibly abnormal. And over time, as we get comfortable with it, it becomes mundane, monotonous, normal. And often, that is exactly what happens with Jesus. And I hope that though your previous perceptions of Jesus, some of them may be right, some of them may be wrong, today we're going to lift up what we think of Jesus, hold it up to this book right here and say, is what I think about him normal or do I really see him for who he is? Have I become too comfortable with him? And the risk There is a risk in seeing that Jesus is normal. There is a risk in monotony with the God of the universe. There is a risk when you become too comfortable with his name. When you become too comfortable with like, oh yeah, praise the Lord, you know. Yeah, praise the Lord. It's got filled in my gas tank, yeah. Really? Praise the Lord? Like, really? I mean, I've had people, yeah, I just just lost my job. Praise the Lord. It's like, I mean, and they're saying it sarcastically, like, I'm not really praising the Lord, like, I'm just trying to be, you know, like, and though we hear the same name every Sunday, and our Devo times in the morning, or at night, or whenever you do it, whether it's on a mat, or at the beach, or in your room, or in a closet, if we get too comfortable with this Jesus that we read in the Bible, that is risky business, because When we dilute Jesus, we instantly dilute our walks with God. Instantly. The moment you begin to dilute Jesus, your view of Jesus, you kind of dumb him down, fit him in a box, begins to dilute your walk with God. You're not fire on hot, ready to do incredible things for him. And I believe that in these verses, Jesus is going to make it so clear to us. He's like, Jesus is God. Guys, Jesus is God. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know. No, no, no. Jesus is God. Don't let that become mundane. And throughout our study, let the fact, let that fact that Jesus is God marinate every aspect of our message and every aspect of of our time tonight, that Jesus is God. Let's pray before we get into his word. Jesus, thank you for being God. We need you to show up, and 
We need you to reveal your glory to us. We need you, Holy Spirit, to move and to touch and to anoint our ears to hear what you want to speak to us through this text. And I pray that for us in here tonight, that as we, Jesus, listen to who you say who you are, that what we say who you are would line up with what you say. And that what we believe and that what maybe even preconceived conceptions because of religion or culture or church or things that don't necessarily bring glory to you because we've diluted them, I pray that you would purge those things out of us, that you would take those things away and that we would just leave and walk away with nothing except you. Thank you for loving us. Oh, how you love us. Thank you for being a good and gracious God. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 5, verse 18 is where we're going to be. John chapter 5, verse 18. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Our first point tonight is this. Jesus is equal with God. Jesus is equal with God. Now we have to look at the text here and it says, This is why, in verse 18, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Well, why? What happened here? Broke the Sabbath? What did he do to break the Sabbath? Well, a couple weeks ago, we talked about, we studied in the first part of John 5 here, Jesus goes to the pool, this pool in Bethesda, and there's a multitude of crippled invalids there, and Jesus walks up to one guy who has been crippled for 38 years. And Jesus is like, Do you want to be well? Do you want to get better? Do you want to experience the healing power that I have to offer you? And this guy's like, yeah, I don't know. I have no one to take me to the pool to be healed. And she's like, you know what? Get up. (laughs) Jesus like gets in his face. is like, no, you're going to be well. You you get up. And Jesus commands him to get up. And he says, "And, and you were well. And when Jesus, whenever Jesus says, get up, Whenever Jesus calls you to do something, he always empowers you by the Holy Spirit to see that thing through you. He will make it happen. God always equips the called. He always doesn't. He doesn't call the equip, he equips the called. And that's exactly what Jesus does with this man's life. And not only does he say, you're physically healed, but go and sin no more. The greatest miracle of them all, Jesus heals And forgives this man of his sin. So now here we read that Jesus is saying, Jesus is like, I'm equal with God. Making himself equal with God. Now they, the the Jews, would have been appalled because Jesus here is straight up claiming to be God. They would have understood that. There is no question about that. And we'll talk about that more in a little bit here. But educated people today, don't they often say, yeah, Jesus never claimed to be God. He never really actually did that. 
When I was in college, my philosophy teacher told the entire class, yet Jesus never straight up claims to be God. And it's like, really? I think you're educated beyond your own belief because if you've read this book, you will clearly see that if Jesus is making himself equal with God, that means that Jesus is God. To say you're equal with God makes you God. Obviously, those intellectual people, the educated, are actually uneducated because they aren't reading the Bible, the source of who Jesus, the autobiography of God himself. is like, here's who I am. And it's interesting because as we're soon going to read in verse 19, you're going to see red letters. We know that's, of course, of Jesus speaking within the red letters there. And Jesus is going to preach, just bust out this amazing sermon out of nowhere. He's like, yeah, here's who I am. You, you think you know who I am? You think you got me down? You become comfortable with me? Here's actually who I am. I want you guys to see this progression though. Aside the fact of the second half of verse 18, making himself equal with God. Let's just say that verse wasn't even there. So let's sit back for a moment and examine what's going on here. So I want you guys to see this progression. They were persecuting him in the first half of chapter 5 of John. And now here we are reading, there's this progression and now they want to kill him. Why would they want to kill Jesus? Like, yeah, they were persecuting him. They were, you know, giving him a hard time, okay? Now they want Jesus dead. They don't want his lungs to take in oxygen anymore. They don't want his heart to beat. Those who love him, they, they don't care about, they want him dead? Why in the world would they want some, this guy who could go around and do miracles dead? It was more than just that that was going on here. Just think about when Jesus was in court, Right? The night before he was crucified, when he was in court, it was the religious people, when they put him on trial, what was their accusation to Jesus? What was his alleged crime? Blasphemy. It was blasphemy. Because he claimed to be equal with God. They knew that. There was no question that they understood that Jesus claimed to be God. And this is so important, you guys, because if you don't understand that Jesus is God, I'm not saying you like totally get it all, but if you don't believe that Jesus is God, then you won't get the Bible. You don't understand this book because this book is all pointing to how he is God. So don't let your teachers in college, don't let your atheist friends, and if you're an atheist here, well, fine, you're gonna, Jesus, Jesus is God, don't let them try to outsmart you saying, oh, the Bible doesn't say. And you will meet people, though. Most of the times, those people you talk to, they're just trying to backpedal their way out of the gospel. They're trying to backpedal out of the way of, of being accountable to a, a being and a God that is bigger than them. Because if, if, if there is a God, and if Jesus is, in fact, God, then they have to answer for their sin, and they're not okay with that. Like, well, I don't want anything to do with that. They don't want to be held responsible for their sin. And so what will they say? Oh, yeah, Jesus, yeah, he's a cool guy. Like, he's my homeboy. Like, I'm down with Jesus. Totally down with that. And then they're, like, going in, and they're, they're on meth, and they're sleeping with their girlfriend, and they're, they're it's like, 
you're okay with Jesus and you're living this way? And it's like, yeah, I read my Bible. I do the Bible thing, but I don't do the church. I don't do the church thing. I don't love the church. Or Jesus was a really good teacher, but you know, he really isn't God, right? He's an inspiring historical character, but really, can he possibly be God? And, and culturally, here in Hawaii, we really don't have a problem with this emasculated Jesus, do we? We really don't culturally here. I mean, we're okay with this sort of like one size fits all Jesus. Like, yeah, he, here's Jesus for you. And it can fit you perfectly and one size fits all. And, you know, and, and that's often what we can do with the gospel. Many are okay with this hippie hybrid version of Jesus. Like, yep, there's Jesus and he did some miracles and then I got my thing over here too. Jesus plus something. Jesus plus religion. Jesus plus my good works. Jesus plus anything. But, but that's not the Jesus of the Bible. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. You, you don't read that here. This Jesus is uncensored. He is crazy. He is off the charts amazing. And he is claiming to be equal with God because Jesus is, he's God. Jesus is God. That's so amazing. Now we could stop right now. (laughs) And that would be completely sufficient enough with the text given here to say that Jesus is God, right? I think so. Jesus equal with God, verse 18. But Jesus doesn't stop there, does he? No, he doesn't stop there. He wants the religious leaders to know, and he wants us as readers today to know that Jesus is unapologetically, I mean, just unashamed, saying, no, I want you to know that I am equal with God and that I am God. Look what he says here as he begins to preach this incredible sermon. We're going to like uh, the first half of it tonight. Part two will be next week. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that who may marvel? So that you may marvel. There's no mundane Jesus there in marveling, right? Verse 21, For as the Father raises the dead and gives, li- and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. Jesus is equal with God. Second point here, Jesus is in sync with God. Jesus is in sync with God. He says here in these verses, whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. He's in sync with God. You guys see that? If you guys know, um, I love technology, and, and, and I know some of you are like haters. Like, don't talk about technology. Well, I'm going to talk about technology for seconds, but just listen in, because I think we understand this, this, this in sync idea better than even people would in, in previous generations, because um, with, with this technology, with the cloud specifically, with Apple, it's amazing. You can have certain storage on your cloud with Apple, and, and it's great because 
All of your devices can be in sync. If you have an iPad, a, a, an iPhone, an iPod Touch, a Mac at home, or even if you have a Droid or whatever, however you roll, you know, they, they have the cloud. They all have their version of the cloud, and everything is in sync with each other. You download an album there, and it goes up there. Actually, that's what I did this week. This week, I, I downloaded this, this great album, um, and I've been listening to it earlier in the week a lot, and, uh, and I downloaded my computer, and so we've been listening at home, been turning it up, and, and I'm like the guy who listens to that, like, I, I, when I find something I like, it's like, that's the thing I like, and everyone's like, can you just shut that thing off? I'm like, no, and so Juliet, my wife, is like, okay, I'm, I'm tired of hearing all of it, like, can you just say, all right, I mean, I like it, you know, it's good, she likes it, but I, I love it, all right? So I've been playing it a lot and downloading on the computer. And then so one day, we decide we're going to go out for a drive at night and, and, and kind of help the kids wind down. And so we're, 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 we hop in the car, and she's wrapping up a few things, throwing some diapers in the backpack and, and getting ready to go. And as she's walking up to the car, and the kid, me and the kids are in the car, I'm like blasting the music in there. And so she comes and, and sits in the car. And I already know she's not going to be happy about me blasting the music in there too. She looks at me and she's like, how is the music in here too? I was like, we're in sync, baby. It's the cloud. And she's like, and I just automatically shut it off. Like, ah, we'll turn it down. We'll listen to some, something else. And she was okay with that. But we get that today, right? To be in sync. Download an album. Instantly it's on my phone. You know, I download an album on my phone, instantly goes on my computer. They're interchangeable. They are the same. They're doing the same thing the same time. They're equal, and they're in sync. See, Jesus here, what he's saying, whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise, they are directly in sync. When Jesus says something, God says something. When God says something, Jesus says something. Everything Jesus does, God does. Everything that God does, Jesus does because they are in sync. They are synonymous with one another, which means when God created the universe, Jesus created the universe. When God breathed life into man, Jesus breathed life into man. And God deserves all the glory, does he not? Yes, Jesus deserves all the glory. Do you see the brevity of what Jesus is saying here? Do you see the weight? Do you see the glory of what Jesus is claiming is God? I mean, this is like, this is deep. Jesus has been and, and is and is here. And it's like, man, this, this, this guy is so real. And it's like, what is he He's saying this to the religious people. Like, what is he doing? Trying to get himself killed yeah actually he is and these religious people are like we don't know the dialogue that's going on here obviously there's some sort of an argument and they're like so Jesus basically you're claiming that you are God and, and does Jesus correct them does Jesus ever correct them does he like redirect him he's like whoa whoa, whoa bro God is, is the name of my dad don't even worry about it like that's not my name you just call me bro I, I'm no like he doesn't divert it He's not like, yeah, call, call, you can call him mister, just call me whatever. I don't, I don't even care. Jesus doesn't correct them. He doesn't redirect them. He lets that fact stand to the point of his wrists and his skull and his feet being driven and being pierced by wood, by nails, through a cross. Jesus 
is in sync with God. And this is important, like we said, because to dilute the authority of Jesus is to dilute our walks with God. And it is to dilute and causes us to have a weak fear of him. And sin all of a sudden becomes more appetizing because we aren't seeing Jesus clearly. We need that healthy fear of him. Proverbs 23, 17, do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. Be zealous, be passionate, be excited to fear the power of God and of Jesus. If Jesus is just another dude, fine. Fine. He's just another dude. But if Jesus is who he says he is, it would be wise for us to have a deep reverence and fear and awe of his glory. That's my prayer for me to see Jesus more clearly. My prayer for you. Jesus is in sync with God. Verse 22. Jesus says, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Thirdly, Jesus is the way to honor God. Jesus is, thirdly here, the way to honor God. Whoever dishonors Jesus dishonors God. Whoever honors Jesus honors God. Now this is so, these guys, do you, do you see how offensive this is? Like this is pretty offensive what Jesus is claiming here. Because any religious activity apart from Jesus dishonors God. Anything in the name of whatever that does not bring glory to God and to Jesus through Jesus is offensive to God. And including the religious Pharisees who Jesus is preaching to and talking to. Jesus like straight up is like, you're not even honoring God with all your religious activity. That's pretty offensive. This includes karma, right? People's view of, of karma and or their spiritual act of worship through yoga or just being spiritual or trying to be a good person, being moralistic or just outright completely being a crazy sinner wanting nothing to do with God, being a Mormon. Do Mormons honor God? No, because they do not honor Jesus. Do Jehovah Witnesses honor God? No, because they do not honor Jesus. Do Jews currently honor God? Do they honor Jesus? God is honored when Jesus is made much of. End of story. And who is Jesus saying this to? The religious people. The people who spend time in the house of God. What? So let me ask you, how are you honoring Jesus? How are you honoring Jesus with your life? Are you honoring him in the way that you dress? 
Girls, are you glorifying Jesus and God through the way that you dress? Are you like letting the junk hang out so all the guys can like come, like come and see? And just so you know, girls that dress like that are only attracting perverted guys who want to look at that anyways, right? Like you're, the attention you're hoping for is not even the attention that you want anyways. But are you honoring Jesus with the way that you dress? Men, are you honoring Jesus with your eyes? Or are you honoring yourself, feeding your flesh? And you see a group of people, and you find a way to target out all the chicks, and in your mind, you're filing through, who's the hottest? Who can I check out? Who can be mine? Who can I lust after? Honor Jesus with your eyes. Man. And not only that, let's, let's honor, not, not, not just that, but let's honor women as our brothers and sisters in Christ as, as, as they bear the image and likeness of God, not as a piece of meat and a piece of flesh. You know, let's, men, let's honor Jesus with our eyes. Women, let's honor Jesus with the way that we dress. And all of us, let us honor Jesus with our thoughts. How are your thoughts going? Do you honor Jesus with your private thought life that no one sees, that no one knows about? Honor Jesus with your thoughts. Let your mind be renewed by the word. Hide it in your heart so that you wouldn't be sinning against God, but so you'd be giving glory to God. Honor Jesus. When you do that, you honor God. Speaking of thoughts, what do you think about of Jesus? Did you know that the most important thing about you is what you think of Jesus? The most important thing about you is what you think of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my mind, when I think of Jesus, this like fabricated imaginative, kind of kippy, clean-cut Jesus version comes in my mind, and I already start idolizing and putting Jesus in a box in my mind. Am I the only person who does like You can put Jesus in a box in your mind and kind of put God in a box and treating him like he's our homeboy, you know? And So we have a lot of thoughts about God. We need to let this book dictate our thoughts about him and what Jesus is saying here. But even culture, culture alone has a lot— of, of, of thoughts about God. Woody Allen said this about God. Not only is there no God, but try getting a plumber on the weekends. So Woody Allen said. And yeah, Aaron Kimport, who, who's our, our, one of our pastors, like, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm a plumber and I had to work today, so thank you very much. Christopher Reeve said this, though, about God. The Unitarian God is not a God of vengeance, and that is something I can appreciate. John Lennon we all know John and Lennon. You've probably heard part of this quote. I love the second half. We're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first. Rock and roll or Christianity? John Lennon from the Beatles, right? In case some of you young guys, like who's John Lennon? The Beatles, okay? Well, yeah, John Lennon's dead now, okay? And I'm pretty sure standing before God Almighty, he's like, yeah, I wish I did not say that. I just, uh, Jesus, you know? Wow, I shouldn't have said that. And I love it. Like, rock and roll has been around for 60 years. Maybe pushing it a little bit more than that. 
Yeah, Christianity's been around for like 2,000 years. Good luck with that, John. I'm real, honestly. Kanye West. It's always a good theologian to look up. <laughs> I ain't here to argue about his facial features or here to convert atheists into believers. I'm just trying to say that the way schools need teachers, the way Kathy Lee needs Regis, that's the way y'all need Jesus, right? Kanye West? Really? I don't know. I saw some of his music videos and I had to stop watching them because, yeah. See, you guys, the biggest problem in the church today is this censored view of God. It's a censored view of Jesus. We can talk a lot about him, throw his name out there like it's no big, uh, big idea. Like, yeah, Jesus, you know, praise the Lord, you know. We talk about him so casually, but if we actually saw him, and you will see him, what do you, would you be able to mumble a word? Would you be able to stand? No. I mean, we forget that we can be so enamored by him, but we've be, just become too comfortable with him. And my prayer recently in my life is that, God, help me not to be too comfortable with your son Jesus, that I treat him as a genie in a bottle and as someone who serves my needs rather than worshiping, worshiping him as, as God and, and having that, that fear of him. Because a small view of God will magnify the problems in your life. A small view of God will magnify the problems in our life. So let's begin to honor Jesus with all of our being. Like, Jesus, here I am, like Romans 12 talks about. Offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service, also known as our reasonable act of worship. Our entire life, our entire being, Jesus, on which you'd have all of me. Hebrews tells us that it is impossible to please God, it is impossible to honor God without faith in Jesus. Do you guys see how important this is? How we need our comfortable view of Jesus to be pushed aside and, 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 and just to see him more clearly? What you make of Jesus will make your fate. That's what's being said here. What you make of Jesus will make your fate. Verse 23 again. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father. Jesus is the way to honor God. Number four. Jesus is the giver of life. Jesus is the giver of life. Verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is what? And is now here. 
when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Jesus is the giver of life. Now, I know we talked about some religions and even the Jews and saying, well, are they really honoring God if they're not honoring Jesus? Well, let's, just, let, let's not just check them off and say they're, they're done for, right? Because Jesus is like, hey, if you hear my voice, I will give you life. You believe in me. And, and who, what is the qualification for when you read here? Whoever, whoever, whoever. If, if you're a Jew, if you're a Mormon, if you're an atheist, if you're spiritual, if you're a good person, if you're just a crazy partier, if you're anything in between, if you believe in karma, you do your yoga thing and you drink prayer lattes, whatever that looks like, you can honor God because Jesus is the giver of life and he gives you life. When you hear his voice, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you think you're going. Jesus loves you. And you will have the reality of eternal life if you have faith in him. We're told that he is, he is, we've passed from death to life. Now, how can we know as Christians, how do we know we aren't judged anymore, right? That's such like a big judgment, right? Oh, the, the, you know, it's the elephant in the room, judgment. How can we know we aren't judged anymore as Christians, really? How do you know that you aren't judged anymore? Judgment happened 2,000 years ago on a cross. That's how you can know you aren't judged anymore, Christian. Jesus took your judgment and gave you his righteousness. You aren't judged you guys get that? Your eternal condemnation, you aren't condemned. You aren't judged to hell. You have eternal life. Now your works, of course, as a saved person will be judged, but you're, you're free. What did Jesus say on the cross when God poured out his wrath upon him? It is finished. What's finished? Your redemption your redemption is finished. We have eternal life because Jesus passed from death to life. He is the giver of life. It's so beautiful. I, I love that. I love that Jesus, God, is the giver of life. Verse 26, we continue. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life and himself. Jesus always has been. Jesus always is. And Jesus always will be. You know, guys know what that means? That means that God the Father is constantly giving you his son, Jesus. And he's constantly giving you life and eternal life and an abundant life, a grace upon grace life through him because he is the giver of life. And what this verse isn't saying, and this is important, that Jesus isn't just a conduit for God. I think honestly, and even for me as I've read this and studied this, my eyes have been opened to this more through the Holy Spirit. I'm like, whoa, 
Jesus sometimes we view as just like a conduit for God. And in fact, I think Jesus is trying to avoid that very thing. Because Jesus is like, just as the Father has life, he is the source of life, so also I am the source of life. I'm not a conduit for life. I am life. Listen, to say that Jesus isn't a conduit means this, that he isn't like a megaphone for God, that God is holding the megaphone and speaking through Jesus. Jesus isn't just a megaphone for the voice of God. He isn't just a puppet in the hands of God. He isn't just a good teacher or a historical character. Jesus is God, and he is in sync with God. God does something, Jesus does something. When Jesus does something, God does something. And as we read in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. Verse 14, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. Jesus became a man. Philippians 2.8 says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So even though Jesus does the will of the Father, I mean, his will is directly in sync with God's will, and because of that, he is, he is the giver of life. They don't work against each other. They work synonymous, synonymously together as equals. Verse 27 And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Wow. Do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs, guys, check this out. All who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out and those who have done good to the resurrection of life Okay, Christians. And those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment? What is going on here? Guys, everybody who has ever lived in the history of the world, believer in Jesus and God and not, is going to their dead, decomposed, dusty remains is going to be raised from the dead. Everyone. Non-believer and believer, everyone will be raised from the dead. The dead will rise. And everybody who will be raised from the dead, we are told here, will face eternal judgment from Jesus. Guys, Michael Jackson is going to be, his, he's going to be resurrected. Moses is going to be resurrected. Saddam Hussein is going to be resurrected. Like, this is crazy. Do you see how crazy this is here? Like everyone is going to be raised from the dead. It's like, are you sure you're reading your Bible correctly? As a reference, Daniel 12, 2, referring to this, Jesus referring to Daniel 12, 2, which says this. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to the shame and everlasting disgrace. Well, it's like, well, what about many? We shouldn't say all. Well, not everyone in the Bible we know died. They went directly to heaven. And Jesus is coming back, yo. 
He's coming back to judge the living and the dead. And when he comes back to take his church up to be with him, and I hope that happens in our lifetime, I really do, many, those who are dead will be raised. And you know what? And if we don't see Jesus return, we will be part of that many. But some will not. Notice this though. Jesus is the giver of life even to those who are dead. If you're dead in your sins, if you want nothing to do with it, it doesn't matter. Jesus, Jesus can give you life. His voice can give dead people life. Guys, this is the Jesus who we're dealing with here. You guys see this picture of Jesus? His voice raises Michael Jackson. His voice raises Saddam Hussein and Moses and and Adam and Eve. Jesus, we are told, his eyes are like flames of fire. He is riding on a white horse. He has a sword in his hand. He's ready to wage war. This is no sissy little prissy Jesus like meek and mild playing with the lambs, all right? This is a punk rock Jesus that we worship. This isn't like a sissy Jesus, like a little meek, mild, and humble Jesus. He is, don't get me wrong, but he is also on top of that incredibly powerful, incredibly huge, and you are going to fear him. You are going to fear him. I am going to fear him. There is nothing normal. There is nothing monotonous about this Jesus. Jesus is the giver of life. And it's by his word that you have been brought from death to life. And that's why we must always be in this book. Because these words give us life. That's why we study verse by verse through John. And we're going to study another book when we're done with John. We're going to study another book until we're dead. That's what we're going to do to amplify Jesus. Because when we're in this book, we have the life of Christ. His word gives us life. Guys, check this out. You can do homework later. Hebrews 1 tells us that the very word of Jesus holds the entire universe together. Isn't it crazy? The galaxies are held together, Hebrews 1 tells us, by the word of Jesus. Like Saturn is doing its thing by the word of, I don't know what Saturn does, but it's doing its thing by the glory of God, by the word of Jesus. The galaxies that are expanding and growing are being held together by Jesus, by Jesus' word. What if Jesus is like, yep, let go, word, bye-bye, gone. That fiery ball that chars our skin in the sky, and that it's super hot today, and it's so crazy. I mean, Jesus keeps that, by his word, that ball is burning in the sky. Isn't that amazing? He holds everything together. And his word gives you life, isn't it? Incredible. All this to say that the gospel, this good news of Jesus, awakens the faithless, but the gospel exists to advance those who have faith in Jesus to grow more in him. All right? You can see this as we're talking about Jesus. Like, man, it's almost like the gospel according to the Christian. Heck yeah, it is. It's the gospel, period. The gospel isn't just for the non-believer. It's also for the believer. And as believers, when we're exposed to the gospel and Jesus more, we are changed. If you're taking notes, write this down. 2 Corinthians 
And we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Our lives, you guys, your life is not transformed by a program. Your life is not transformed by a three-point sermon. Maybe five, no, I'm just kidding. Three-point sermon. Your life is not transformed by you attempting to be perfect or somehow you doing something for God. You are transformed when you see Jesus and when you see the glory of Jesus. That is when you are transformed. Moses was never the same when he saw the glory of God pass by in Mount Sinai. Never. Never. You were never the same, Christian, when you encountered a relationship with God. Maybe it was instant, maybe it was progress of you growing, but you're not the same. We are transformed when we see the glory of Jesus. So what areas of your life do you want to see change in? See Jesus. Ask Jesus through his spirit to reveal his glory to you if you want to see change in your life. Just ask him. I mean, if, this, if, if the sun and it obeys him and, and the wind and the seas obey him, by the power of his word, through his glory, ask that same power to be revealed to you, just a portion of it. And, and, and so you would see Jesus in his glory and that you would be changed. So let me ask you this. What area in your life needs to be exposed to the glorious power of Jesus? What area in your life needs to be exposed to the glorious power of Jesus? Are you lazy? Ask to see Jesus. Are you addicted to a certain sin? Ask to see Jesus. Are you lonely and, and you feel like you're, you're abandoned? Ask to see Jesus. Are you hurting from someone, a sin that someone did to you or a sin that you caused to someone and that, that, that's bothering you? Ask to see Jesus. Are things going great, actually, right now? Ask to see Jesus. It doesn't matter. We need to be exposed to the life-changing glory and power of Jesus so that we would never be the same. And guys, right now, letting it out, I am giving you permission from the gospel to stop performing for God. Stop it now. Don't perform for God. That's not the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus giving you life, giving you the power to walk in the newness of life. Stop performing for God. He doesn't want your performance. You know what he wants? He wants you to see Jesus. He wants you to be exposed to his glory so you would be changed and pass from death to life and grow in life and grace upon grace in that life. Jesus wants you to be so enamored, to be so enamored by his power that you would just worship him. Just, just, just worship him, guys. And what he... That's what he wants these religious men to do. I believe that's why he's preaching this to them. He's like, guys, let's repent from your sin. Repent from your religion. Repent from this. 
Repent for being a spiritual person. Repent from going to church so that you could do something good in my name. Just be amazed by my glory. John 11, I love this, you guys. This is, uh, this is great. John 11, 25, 26, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So I ask you, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the giver of life? Do you? Believe it. And you will not die. You will not have eternal condemnation of your soul. Put your faith in Jesus. Believe in Jesus and grow in Jesus. Jesus is the giver of life, number four. Five, and lastly here, Jesus is the judge. Jesus is the judge. Now that's the part that we kind of like to censor out of Jesus, right? Oh yeah, yeah I'm okay. Do you give her life? Yeah! Judge, um, I'm okay, God. Verse 27. We're going back now. And he, God, has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Because God became a man because he needed to be killed for the sins of the world. That's why God became a man. He needed to be killed for the sins of the world. And so because he is a man, Jesus has authority to execute judgment on us as men because he was human just like we are human. You were tempted. Yep. Well, Jesus was tempted. You were hungry. Yeah, Jesus got you beat. He fasted for 40 days. I'm pretty sure he was hungry. You've been abandoned. Yet Jesus has been abandoned. He knows. Hebrews tells us that we have a high priest who can sympathize with us in our weakness, and which means that because Jesus became a man, he also has authority to execute judgment on us as man. But guys, God wants us to know that Jesus is a judge because he saw it fair and fit for, for himself to become a man to show us that he judges fairly. Have you guys ever seen that in the gospel? I, I honestly haven't until reading this. He made himself vulnerable just like we were vulnerable so Jesus as a judge could sympathize with us. What humility. Jeez. Jesus is a judge. We can't censor that part out. In closing, Jesus said this in Matthew 27. I'm sorry, Matthew 7, starting in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Pretty clear and evident that Jesus is judge. Not just God, but Jesus, because they're in sync with one 
another. But we are saved not by works, but by faith alone, through grace alone, and God alone. That's how we have salvation, but that is also how we grow in our salvation. You are right and justified before God because of faith in the cross. So let me ask you, in closing here, who is Jesus to you? And I'm not just talking to some, maybe some of you in here who don't know God. Like, I don't know where all of you are at in your walks with God. I'm talking to everyone. Who is Jesus to you? Like we said, the title of this message, Jesus is fill in the blank. What is he? Who is he? He is God, like it or not, but is he the God and the Lord and the Savior of your life? Have you had a censored view of him? Maybe that in this time of worship that we're going to move into here in a few minutes that, man, you just need to repent to Jesus. Say, God, I'm sorry for fabricating you in my mind. And if Jesus is a genie bottle or Jesus is my way to find blessing or Jesus is my way to a hot guy or a hot girl. Jesus is my way to have a better life and just to get to heaven, but I'm gonna live like hell now. I mean, Jesus is what in, in, in your life and in my life? Is Jesus God? Let him be. And let him be the continuous Savior and Lord over your life, no matter where you're at. Let's pray. We hope that Jesus is doing a work in your life from the message that you just heard. We would love to hear how you were impacted and what was impressed on your heart. Share your story by emailing connect at shorebreakchurch.com. And if you don't know Jesus as God, Lord, and Savior, or you have more questions, send us an email to info at shorebreakchurch.com so we can get you dialed in with a free Bible and resources for your new relationship with Jesus and answer any questions. If you'd like to support the gospel going out through Shorebreak, you can click the Give button at shorebreakchurch.com. You can give a one-time gift, a recurring gift, or whatever God puts on your heart. Mahalo.